Mondays. It's Great Mondays Radio. I'm Josh Levine, your host, founder of Great Mondays. We help executives from hypergrowth technology and social enterprise organizations build cultures that attract, engage, and retain top talent. If you'd like to be a guest on our program, hang out for about 20 minutes and I'll tell you how. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Great Mondays Radio, candid conversation with culture leaders. And today I have with me veteran talent acquisition and development expert, Kate Day. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of her trials and tribulations, ups and downs throughout her career and how she's handled some of the toughest situations that someone in her position (laughs) could face. Uh, Kate, Thank you for coming on. I can't wait to hear the stories. Oh, it is wonderful to be here. Yes. And I think everyone will enjoy the stories and get quite a chuckle out of them. I think if you can laugh through some of these, you're ready for just about anything. All right. Perfect. (laughs) Well, that'll be our good practice. Um, Let's start with kind of uh, uh, you've worked at a number of large um, enterprise organizations, Workday, DocuSign. Um, You've been at a few different um, universities uh, in the in the Bay Area, so you're in the Bay Area, um, as well as uh, as well as a bank. Tell me a little bit about. Just give us a little kind of how you got to where you are. Um, how did you become this uh, uh, someone who is uh, uh, such an expert in this in this field, this talent acquisition and, and development? Absolutely. It's been an interesting journey. I usually start these sort of stories by saying my undergraduate degree is in biology. So that, of course, explains exactly how I got there. <laughs> It explains everything. <laughs> it explains everything. Um, and, and, you know, walking across the stage for that degree, I would have never been able to look forward and say, I'm going to be doing this in X number of years. But looking back, I can see exactly where that and every single other pivot along the way brought me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. Uh, a master's in career development, which really is what launched me into the field that I'm in. I was doing executive search um, as my first foray into recruiting. And I built um, sort of this in-house career development office because you can only hire one of your three top amazing talents. And then we were going to lose the other two. So Mm -hmm. I, without knowing anything about what I was doing, built an in-house career development office. And then one of those 2 a.m. Google hunts on what am I going to do with the rest of my life, discovered you can actually get a degree in career development. So I got my master's in career development, which led me to Mills College to do my internship. And in careers, you know, real estate, it's location, 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 career, timing, timing, timing. I joined Mills College as a full-time employee and quickly became the director of the office there. Um, Then moved on to California College of the Arts where I became the senior director to build their career development office. We were actually having Workday visit us and recruit from us all the time. So I met people at Workday and they were looking to build this uh, trademark program, Generation Workday, which was really sort of the the heart of the CEO Mm -hmm. and the founder of, of Workday. And I was crazy enough to say yes and take on that very big role that sort of terrified me about two weeks in, but I was so glad I did that. 
Um, someone that I met and adored from Workday moved on to DocuSign, recruited me to join DocuSign to build and run their early talent program there. And First Republic this past summer into fall reached out to me to come and build and run their early talent program as well. And mm -hmm. I had now done it in, you know, as you mentioned for Workday and DocuSign, tech has been a great generational wealth builder for underrepresented students moving into their careers, but finance, not as much. And I thought this is a really great opportunity to go and try and do this on the finance side of things. So this past October, 2022, I joined First Republic Bank um, as a senior director for talent acquisition with a focus on early talent there as well. And here well, I am today. And here you here you are. <laughs> so um, let's why don't we just dive dive right into the the most recent and biggest challenge? Uh, we'll sort of hit the punchline first. Um, you no longer work for First Republic. In fact, First Republic no longer exists. Um, what was it like being in talent acquisition and development for a bank that not only got acquired, but then got, I guess, shut down by the feds? What, like, what was what was that like? I mean, what did how did you even handle it? I, I mean, I'm just so curious as to like what it, I mean, because we all saw it from the outside, right? We all saw, you know, the, a couple of these, these huge banks failing. What was it like being an employee in the inside? What was it like being a on a team and a team leader? And how did you manage it? You, you are the talent person. You yeah. are the one that like everybody's everybody's like, uh-oh, what do we do now? Yes. They all sort of look at you. It's like, yeah, they're all looking at me, right? Me. Um, we, I don't know. I've never done this, but yeah. <laughs> this is brand new to me too. Um, no, we would joke and say, who had that on their bingo card? I didn't have that on my bingo card. Um, you know, First Republic had been around since the late 80s. Um, if if you saw risk, you thought it was in tech. And sure, things might slow down, but you don't necessarily foresee an FDIC seizure of your bank um, and then, you know, kind of completely no longer in existence. We use the term roller coaster. I, I It was the fastest, craziest, wildest unhinged roller coaster ride I think I've been on maybe a roller coaster without seat belts so you're really sort of hanging on for dear life the whole yeah. time and it started out in a way that you're just like this isn't this isn't going to happen this is unbelievable this can't be happening because Silicon Valley Bank was hit on a regular day in the middle of March and then that weekend um, the manager on my team, sent me a picture from Twitter with people lining up outside First Republic. And I pinged him back and said, is this what I think it is? Oh, and he said, yes. And, and being, you know, um, a Gen X and adorable, he said, they do realize there's an app for that, right? They don't actually have to stand outside <laughs> the bank. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think to close their accounts, they do. Um, so we really began to see that despite the fact that we were different from Silicon Valley Bank, there was something bigger going on. Mm -hmm. And we were hitting this new wave of you can you can completely pull things, you know, you follow on social media and it became viral and went from there. Now, we thought we had sort of turned that corner and we had all of those banks come and do that bailout. 
And there was that moment of, oh my gosh, we might actually survive this by our fingernails. But it really became clear as we entered into May that this probably was not going to um, going to be successful for us, and um, and the FDIC came in on May first and seized the bank, and we sort of took it from there. Everything began to un unravel. I know that for all of talent acquisition, this shining light was that we still were running the intern and the new grad initiatives, and they were fingers crossed, well, this is a good sign. And then I had to break the news that I had heard that we needed to pull all of those roles and rescind every single offer. Because you want, because the, there was no business. There wasn't there was gonna be no any business. business. And we yeah. had already been on a slowdown because you know the Fed was raising interest rates. And so- But that's different. I mean, to your point, that's different. Okay, slowdown, sure. <laughs> okay, I get that, that's fine. But like full stop. All right. So let's get into the like, um, did you when? Okay. So you told me in our pre-interview call, yes. you told me the FDIC showed up in um, in the jackets, like the EC on the shows, FBI on the back with the FBI jackets, but there was FDIC. So they had the FDIC windbreakers. Right. You didn't know, did you didn't know they were coming, right? Like they just showed up. They just showed up. I wasn't in the office that day. I ended up seeing them the following week in the big sort of glass, you know, fishbowl. Yeah. And they yeah. were much more blending into the rest of the Right, company. right, right. But, but they came then, in like, they came excuse in. me, ma'am, with the badge and everything. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> what was, okay, so that's that's when they were like, we're seizing all these assets, right? Like that was, the, so what was the, what is the, what is the first thing that someone in your role does? at that moment. There's so many things you have to do. What was the top on your list? The top on my, I think there were several things that were right at the top of my list um, yeah. at the same time, because you can't focus on one particular thing. Yeah. And it was really to sort of support everyone on my team and everyone even not on my team and reach out and try to get at this point from JP Morgan, who was going to acquire us, any sort of guidance I could get for the interns that I had hired and the full-time folks I had set to be starting with us in two weeks, right? mind you, from this. Right. And trying to explain why it was incredibly important to get clarity and trying to make the case at the same time for any particular value we might add to the organization while delivering on every single request that was made of us. If a large organization comes in and you no longer exist as a bank, First Republic no longer existed, but they need all the data, you've got to get it for them in mm. record time. So you're working at a phenomenal pace. You realize your role is probably going to be eliminated. And so you really become very much focused on, sort of hyper-focused on supporting everyone else around you because you've already accepted the fact that your role is probably gone. But if mm -hmm. I could save my team, that was what I, I wanted to do. And I will say that I, I lucked out. This team, I did not hire. We all started at about the same time. We had all been there less than a year. It was the most phenomenal group of people on the campus team and then all of TA to go through something this crazy with to the point that we stayed connected. And the first thing we did the Saturday after we were all laid off is we all went wine tasting. Yeah. Because why not? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Screw it. Um, 
what are the kinds of requests that you that you were that we were filled fielding? I mean, so your team and I'm just trying to paint a picture of what it was like to be you and what were you doing? Like just a, just a couple examples. Like what were you being tasked with? Because obviously you have to be responsive. You have to be everything, right? You've got a new, you know, this. You've got the J.P. Morgan. You've got FDIC. You've got other people like hair on fire. What are the kinds of, what, what are you doing dated? Like just in that, in that week, like what were some of the requests that, that people had of you? We needed to provide all of the data on everyone that we had hired, all of the interns, all of the full times, what their start dates were, what their salaries were, the schools that they were coming from, who their hiring managers were, what teams they were on. Could we defer their start dates? Um, how much we had already spent of the budget, how much was still left in the budget, uh, everything down to every little nuance, be, uh, because they had no idea coming in. JP Morgan had no idea yeah. was what, what was coming at them, and they needed to know, and it was really training them from scratch as if they were brand new employees. What's happening? What can we keep? What can we not keep? And to their credit, they considered it. They looked closely at whether or not they could make this happen. But because of the, it needed to go from a transition from First Republic to FDIC, then to JP Morgan, and that wasn't going to happen for a while. They had to come back to us and make the decision. And it was heartbreaking for them. They said, I can't believe I'm telling you to do this, Kate, but we need to rescind every single offer that you've made for all of your interns and all of your new grad hires that are coming in between May and September, October of this year. How many people is that? That was over 200 people. Jeez Louise, that is so heartbreaking. How did you handle it? What did you do? We made the decision that we were going to do this in the right way. These are individuals right at the very beginning of their careers and they trusted us and they had been reaching out to us. And we said, as soon as we know anything, we will let you sure, know. Because they heard the news. They, they, they heard the news. They, they were watching Kramer at 3 a.m. in the morning with me, probably uh, many yep. of those days. And my manager, Spencer, and I on the team said, we're not going to email them. We're not going to send them some arbitrary message or leave them a voicemail. We are going to do every single rescind in a personal phone call. And, you know, um, we, we left a message only to say, please call us back. We have an update for you. And it was exhausting and heartbreaking. But I will tell you, to an intern and to a hire, even though we were giving them terrible news, uh, rescinding offers two weeks before they were about to start. I mean, that's, that's, Can you, I can't even imagine. It's, oh. it's like you make a call, you get up and then you walk around a little bit, shake it all off, come back down. Shake it off and do it again. Do it again. Oh, right. I'm, I'm <laughs> laughing, but only out of pain or solidarity or something. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. And so you made phone calls to every single person and tell them that that wasn't going to happen. Yep. How much time? I, you know, what I'm reflecting on are the earlier, so I would say early in, late in 22, early in 2023, there were a few stories that came out about um, tech founders, medium-sized, large tech businesses doing mass layoffs, and they did it with an email. Yeah. That's what I keep thinking about. And that I feel like if you at the moment of this bank getting seized and shutting down could make that decision 
to make these phone calls. What, I mean, 200 takes a long time and these layoffs are massive, right? You're going to talk about a couple thousand people. So what, I mean, is it possible? I've never been in this, in this, in this position, right? What, what would you advise to the, to folks that are making these layoffs, given that you, you were in the moment of making a decision about having to rescind in a very similar way or having to tell someone they no longer have a job that they thought they had. So those two are the same. If, if you like, what advice would you give to one of these tech founders or or executives that have to make these large, um, these large layoffs? What are you, what approach should they take? They can't call it 2000, every one of the 2000 people. I mean, but people were, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure a mass email was also not the right way to do it. So I don't, what would you advise? I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's unique to every single situation and, and definitely the size. But I do know that I also, before I joined First Republic, we had, we had to do our first round of layoffs at DocuSign. And I had to lay off two people on my team. And those were done individually as well in those crazy calls with an HR person delivering the message. And I was there. Um, I think what has happened is that people at at the beginning of all of these layoffs, they did them in a much more personalized way. And then it became less personal and more group. Um, Notification from First Republic for me was you were either on a 9.30, a 10.30 or an 11.30 call. You knew if you were on the 9.30 call, you were getting a layoff. If you were in 10.30, it was a contract. 11.30, you were getting a potential offer. So before we even all joined Mm. the call, we were like, well, we'll see you in the 9.30 call. We knew what was coming. And it was about a four-minute conversation. I think it could have been done better there. We took the time to do that with our interns and our full-time hires. But at the same time, we said to ourselves, um, we're probably going to give a better experience than we're going to receive. And that doesn't matter. What matters is that we're helping set the tone for how this will feel for people right at the beginning of their careers. That's why that was a decision that you made. That was critical. And we had to make those calls quickly because you know this adorable generation is incredibly viral. And we knew as soon as we started making the calls, it was gonna hit social media really fast. And so we needed to call in great number. I will say two other people on my team jumped in to make a few calls and then it broke them in no time. Yeah. Um, and we did have another TA leader step in and say, hey, I work with this group. I can step in and help you because I can't believe you and Spencer are making these calls by yourself. But at the same time, the interns and the new grads were so gracious, thanked us. They said, oh my gosh, this must be brutal for you to be making these calls. Thank you for doing this. This is, I'm not surprised. It's not what I wanted. But then the hard part was when they would stop and say, and how are you doing? Like, okay, that one you can't ask because I'm (laughs) together focused on you. If I focus on myself, I may not. And then the I'm not going to be able to make it to the I'm end. I'm not going to be able to make the 40 other calls I've got to do right after. Yeah. You. But oh, the humor God. was, I told them, I said, hey, you know, we might be sharing job posts in a couple of weeks. So, and they have so many interns once they saw that my role was eliminated, um, started sending me job posts on LinkedIn. 
and just checking in to see how I was doing. So it come, it's hard work, yeah. but it, it, it's the work. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that you would have liked to have seen on uh, the group phone call, the layoff call. So, so the layoff call I'm inferring is a better experience than an email. It feels more personal, mm-hmm. even though it is still impersonal. Um, what, what's the right way to do that? How, what would you have liked? What can we learn? Right. So a lot of listeners, a lot of folks that have been part of layoffs, maybe had to, you know, I, I want to like, what are the one or two things maybe that you got or you didn't get that, that one of these large layoff phone calls would, or maybe even leading up to, right. You already knew it. What, what would have made it better? What it's still painful. It's not going to not be painful, but what's the right way to do this? Right. Um, I think that the, one of the challenges that we all realized that we had as, as this was happening at First Republic was that the communication had broken down. Mm. Um, you, know, you know, it was difficult for leaders. They were trying to save the bank, but they weren't being very communicative. And it was fairly clear what was happening. So you start to feel like, am I being gaslighted here? Gaslighted? Right. Right, right. You knew, but they weren't saying. But they weren't saying. So I think really indicating that, you know, instead of the rumor mill, which just. Which is going to happen. It's going to happen. Nature pours a vacuum. So we'll fill it with all kinds of stuff if people (laughs) leave the vacuum there. Um, And then I think on the call, it was nice to have our chief people officer there. Um, She was, she did lose her role after that. And one of our leaders in HR, and I know it was tough for them, but I know when I was doing, had to be on the calls for layoffs, I had to suck it up because it's not about me. And as much as I wanted to cry, Mm. I needed to be strong for the person that was really being impacted. Yeah. And I think there was, there was a, a too much sharing of how shattered maybe they felt in the moment. Uh-huh. They weren't, you know, the person delivering the message wasn't actually losing their role. So you need to kind of hold it together and be there for the people who are actually being impacted. Um, this keep, yeah, I, go ahead. The funniest part is then a bunch of us jumped on a Zoom call after that. Yeah. And then we all started losing access in the middle of our Zoom call. So it was like being sucked into the matrix um, as we were on our Zoom call. Like you just managed, yeah. you could hear them for like 30 seconds after they were gone. We're like, bye, see you wine tasting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So uh, yeah, so communication transparency. And honestly, that's that's a problem in, in many organizations that I've been engaged with and worked with, even when we're not talking about layoffs. And of course you don't want the, you don't want to tell people beforehand. So what's the right balance. And so I think really thinking about um, how you want to approach your communication strategy. I don't think I've ever heard of an organization that was too communicative, right? Over communicative. And so, uh, you know, once we hit that line, then we can talk about that as a problem, but let's, let's, that's, that's what I'm gathering from this. Wow. That's just what, what a story that is unbelievable. Hopefully you won't have to experience that ever again. I mean, the odds are very slim. (laughs) Um, what, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, um, it's just so, so crazy. So, so amazing that you were able to, to, to share with us a little bit what it was like inside of just this complete shutdown. Let's go back a little bit. There's a part of your, uh, career that you mentioned, 
um, where you developed uh, were part of a team developing um, a well, at Workday called Generation Workday, yes. which was about bringing people on into the culture and helping them stick around a little bit longer. Is that right? So increasing. So this program was a preemptive way to increase um, and increase engagement and retention. Is that right? Yes. yes All right. Absolutely. So let's, so tell me, cause I, because this is, you know, th- this to me is one of the most vexing issues um, for organizations is how do you increase engagement, increase retention? And it pairs nicely with this idea of, okay, you, bef- you got to work on it before it's a problem. Yes. Right. Yes. So tell us, how did this program come about and, and how did you, you know, what, what was it? Talk about Generation Workday. Well, it's interesting. Generation Workday did exist prior to my joining um, Workday. I'll say Workday does an amazing job on culture. It is it is key to everything that they do. Some of the best core values um, that I've ever seen in a company and really sort of putting literally their money where their mouth is and their support Mm -hmm. behind that. So, you know, the founders of Workday had this kind of their pet project for for early talent, um, an opportunity to, you know, to sort of corral, engage, and retain. But it really had become somewhat of a stigma to be in Generation Workday. It's like, oh, I'm a beginner. I don't, I want to, I want to get hired and then I want to be, you know, with all the big folks. I don't want to be like the early kid here. So I was hired to, um, to help change it from stigma to status. And we did that incredibly successfully. By the time I left um, Workday in 2019, you could walk around any of the campuses and see Generation Workday t-shirts on people all the time. When we would give them away for free, there would be lines like we were at Bloomingdale's for people to try and and get those t-shirts. We had created a culture within the culture where people would be like, yeah, I'm a G-Dub, I'm a G-Dub. They they named themselves. And we went from about a 73, 74% retention year over year for new grads and intern conversions to 97% retention. That's insane. That's insane stat. It, it was, I, you know, it was one of those, I, I, when I hit those high numbers, I like double check my math that I carry alone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too. Uh, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> um, okay. So, so this program was in place and its intention was to, as a kind of an um, extended onboarding. It was, and basically it had sort of, um, the the joke was it had become beer and nachos. Beer and yeah. nachos and t-shirts has really yeah. what it had become. And lucky G-Dubs, when I came on board, is like, yeah, it's actually going to be a year-long program. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? It's like, oh, if you missed me in your career office and all of your career coaches and university, you're going to get it here. And we did financial planning, you know, how to navigate your um, your very first performance review, how to ask for a raise, how to ask questions, how to lead a meeting. I mean, from, you know, some of the most basic, one of my most adorable stories is one of my 2017 GWs doing a whole practice, like a full practice on how he would have his first performance evaluation conversation with his boss. We're out on benches and he's doing the fake opening his door and walking in and going, no, no, that's one. Let me do it again. 
I'm dying laughing because I'm like, <laughs> okay, I, I think you're going to be fine. We don't have to actually, no, we have to actually play actors. <laughs> I'm so nervous. Um, and and it just became, you know, that the, the key was I engaged them. When I first joined, I thought, I'm planning this. I can build it. And then I realized I'm not building it for me, yeah. building it for them. And so my yeah. 2016s, I started building it with them. And so you would have the year before was in charge of leading the coming year. And that was actually part of how they got points for completing it successfully. They had to run things for the current year. They had to run things for the interns. They had to come to campus with us, that they had to engage their managers. So they became leaders and then we ended up having the fastest velocity of new grad to manager um, promotion um, that they had ever seen before, and especially women in management roles. That's fantastic. Well, so here's what I find interesting about this is, um, one, I think the majority of onboarding programs are terrible or broken. So um, uh, this is kind of this extended onboarding experience, but it's not exclusively about here's how we do things at Workday, although that is part of it. What you just described are skills that they are going to use throughout their career, whether they stay or not. Yes. So you're offering this kind of value beyond the, that, that can be applied beyond the Workday ecosystem. Yes. And it, it's great. It's going to be able to, they're going to be able to learn how to lead a meeting and engage and all these things. And that's going to help them be successful at Workday, but it's also going to help them beyond that. And so I can imagine that you have accrued with them this goodwill where you're like, oh, I want to do this because this is going to help me regardless. Yes. That, absolutely. So that's so, I mean, that's so powerful that's so compelling what i don't know like um how would you advise somebody to design an onboarding program let's say that they can't do a year but they could extend it beyond kind of a measly two days or a week or or some sort of like here's your here's a single you know here's your your buddy right Right. What what is your advice to um, folks like you in your position to build a program that's going to increase engagement? And uh, let's just say that the the workday one is is the gold standard. But are there any things that where can we start? Where might we look at building out an onboarding program, an engagement program, a new hire program that is going to make a, a measurable difference? You know, it's it's interesting because we did also for this have a week long um, onboarding that was, you know, they spent the first day as sort of classic workday onboarding because workday does an amazing day long onboarding. And then the rest of the week was generation workday onboarding where they got to meet former GWs. There was lots of engaging their managers in this. They come in Tuesday morning, very trepidatious looking at each other. And then we just sort of kind of mess with them for four days so that by the time they leave on Friday, they're exchanging phone numbers. And maybe if you have, do you have an apartment yet? I'm looking for a roommate. So you start to develop relationships. And I think that's the key mm. connection and relationships um, going forward. 
but you don't have to do it for a year. As an example, we built sort of a pullout program for our master's level students. They've worked. They don't necessarily need a year long sort of a little bit more basic boot camp as, as the undergrads need. And we call that MGen. And we made that much more um, self-run. We created success teams and they rotated ownership and leadership of those teams going forward. They told us what they needed. Who in this company do you want to hear from? What leader would you like to go to lunch with? And then we facilitated that for them, but it would, the onus was on them to do it and lead it. And they needed to do it for six months, but it wasn't, and they could come and join all of the other things that we were also, they always made it for the fun stuff, like the happy hours, yeah. but, um, but we, we let it be something that they designed for themselves. That's amazing. Uh, uh, well, this has been incredible. We 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 started with uh, a, a the depths of despair ended with uh, on a high note of uh, learning about this incredible program that you helped improve at Workday. Um, what uh, what final piece of advice or learning that you've had in your career do you think it's important for somebody who is interested in talent acquisition or development and development? um to know what would you advise someone what would you advise your early your younger self uh coming you as you were you said you were an intern right at mills first what would you tell her uh about how to succeed or 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 what to expect perhaps i would say the wisdom is in the room and you don't have to do it all yourself and you really should listen more than you speak because you're going to continue to learn. Um, I have, I've been so lucky, 99% of the time, I've had phenomenal leaders and phenomenal people on my team. Yeah. I would say to every person I've ever hired, if I hired you once, I would hire you again, because you're that amazing. That, that going forward, we're, the pace of acceleration, um, the pace of change, the acceleration right now in all of work and particularly in the talent field with AI, um, with where and how we work is, is phenomenal. And so you need to listen to those coming into the field now. Gen Z is going to set set the bar for us. And so you got to pay attention and listen to them mm. about how they want to work where they want to work and to realize that culture is really, this goes back to my biology, right? Culture is an ecosystem. It's a, it's a, it really is a living, breathing organism. It's not static that you make a culture fit. People, yeah. culture adds to that system. Yeah. And if you listen to them, you can be successful and you can actually have fun doing this at the same time, no matter what is happening around you. Um, I, I feel like check that box. I really don't want to have to do the seized by the FDIC thing again. But I also learned a lot about myself and yeah. at that time and how resilient we are and what a great sense of humor that you can have in the middle of ridiculous um, amounts of change. And that where the serious, serious part came into play is what our impact was on the people that we were interacting with. Yeah. But for yeah. ourselves, we kind of had to chuckle at it a little bit and go, well, 
didn't expect that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you said, the bingo card. Yes. Uh, Kate Day, thank you so much. Uh, veteran talent acquisition and development uh, manager. Uh, you can find uh, Kate Day, uh, K-A-T-E-D-E-Y on LinkedIn. She is obviously a uh, networking um, maven. And so uh, definitely uh, find her there. She's got a lot more wisdom to share. Thank you, Kate. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. Loved every minute of it. Thanks for listening to Great Mondays Radio. Hey, if you want to be a guest, head over to greatmondays.com slash radio. We'd love to hear from you. And if you think this episode was interesting and your friends and fans would enjoy it, please share on social media. And if you want to get more people to understand the power of company culture in business today, please rate and review Great Mondays Radio on your podcasts app or podcast feed. It really helps us reach more people. If you want to make sure to hear more candid conversations with culture leaders, subscribe to Great Mondays Radio. And I'd love to connect with you. Find me on LinkedIn at aka Josh Levine, on YouTube at Great Mondays, and you can always email me, josh at greatmondays.com. Find out more about our work with hypergrowth technology and social enterprise organizations, or grab a copy of our book at greatmondays.com. I'm Josh Levine. Thanks for listening to Great Mondays Radio.